Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on December the 18th, 2016. It's been quite the last couple of weeks in Canada, in Ontario where I am. I'm classed as Northern Ontario up here and the last couple of weeks at least it's been way below freezing at night, every night and often during the day too. In the last week or so it's been definitely below freezing during the day and it's been big dumps of snow uh, at the same time in between the freezing and at the moment it's it's about 12 uh, minus 12 Fahrenheit uh, or about 25 below on centigrade so the temperature certainly is not showing any global warming and I want my share of it if I'm going to pay all these taxes for it Mind you, it's all a racket and a con, and you find most of life today really is, isn't it? Most businesses, big, big, big businesses today don't really produce anything. It's in research and development for all the big utopias, which are sold to the public as utopias at least, but by the boys at the top, it's just a big racket and con game as they get all this money, billions of dollars, given to them public-private partnerships with the government using your tax money to build them their big factories for things that are going to flop. And that's how you make your money today. It's quite quite amazing, isn't it, just to watch it all happen. The big, big club at the top and the people at the bottom, of course, all the general population, are all trained and taught that everything's on the on the level, everything's on the up and up, as they say. And and people are just dead honest to, that to, they make their money by thrift and, and uh, goodwill and stuff. And then when they make enough billions, they they have a, they wake up one day and they just want to join Bill and Melinda Gates and all the big philanthropic organisations like you know the big foundations out there that run the world, the parallel government, which is a real government, because obviously the one that's, that we think we elect is not what you think it is at all, especially when you've seen the same people moving in behind the scenes to really run it. All you have really uh, in the States right now is uh, for the, the system, for the oligarchy, there's not two oligarchies, there's the oligarchy, is a change, a little change of let's try the Kissinger group this time and get the job done with military, etc., and finish it off properly, and use our own military to do it all, and technology, which is great for the war business, and the missiles and all the weaponry, instead of using the Brzezinski method that they've been using for the last while with soft power and proxy armies uh, to do all the, the, the jobs for them and so on. That's what we're really seeing. And the same agenda goes on, of course, with... Uh, the global warming thing, because no government is going to drop all the carbon taxes they can bring in that's going to disappear into countless pockets of those who get uh, their hands on it, basically. It's just too much money, isn't it? And that's really how the world is run. It's, it's run by basic open corruption, the higher that you go. And you must always train the public for good causes. Now, I won't even go into the farce of the global warming thing, has now changed to climate change because, you see, that was the policy uh, to bring in the communistic system of running the general population, the standardization process of government and state running all, running your whole life for you from birth to death. The, technoc- the true technocracy that the Soviet system was based on and those who promoted the Soviet system from outside the Soviet countries 
because technocracy is an old, old idea of efficiency, efficiency on behalf of those who own you all and who own your countries and own all of us. Using academia and, and stopwatches and all the rest of it to study us and study us, to get the, the most production out of us and whatever way it happens to be, uh, to run society more efficiently for themselves at the top. Including, do they really need you to be born in the first place? Or, and do they need you or people like you in the future? Yes or no, basically. That's what it's all coming down to. From the elite's point of view, they always see things as very practical. They don't relate to ordinary folk in any way, shape or form at all. Uh, they probably like their pets a lot more than like the general population, all of the, the masses, you might say. Uh, they honestly have no real connection with you. Once in a while, you'll get some honesty coming out, like Bush Jr. He was awfully good at gaffes, as they call them, putting out gaffes. Uh, but he did. He did ask his cabinet at the top, the boys he pulled in, if any of them knew any poor folk to find out what they're thinking. He says, I don't know any poor folk myself. I've never met any. So he didn't know how they, what they were thinking about and what they felt and, or anything like that. Or even if they could feel and be awfully poor and that, you know what it's like. And it's quite amazing uh, in the 21st century to get this stuff rehashed from previous centuries. You'll find little bits in history where the, the same kind of things were said by kings or high aristocracy and nobility who really believed they were a separate species. Sincerely, they really did. And that ordinary folk were, were non-nobles. If you're non-nobles, you didn't have that special blood and all that. You're a villain by birth and station. That was it. Nothing really has changed. Humanity can, can pretty well disgust you, unfortunately, because it tends to remain the same, in that you'll always have those who gather round kings and queens and power, the other the lesser psychopaths, you see. They'll gather round them, and do whatever they're told, and when it's brutal stuff too, on the peasants, they don't mind because they feel nothing for the peasants either. So they tend to breed and get a class that eventually becomes the, the nobility and aristocracy around the kings and queens and all the rest of it. Today it's academia and those who belong to the big high, high families which now cloak themselves in philanthropic good works and they run thousands of non-governmental organizations across the world that protest everything and, 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 and bombard universities to push certain programs through of political correctness until you can't say anything about them and things like that. Uh, it's, uh, it's a really perfectly worked out system. Nothing, is, nothing is, is by happenstance in this system. Nothing. Everything that can alter culture and is meant to alter culture has to be okayed by the boys at the top or it would never happen. So even when it seems insane was getting pushed in a certain area to the general population, there's always a reason for it by the big boys that work for the even bigger boys and, and around the think tanks and so on. It's always really been like that. And now we're in the scientific age. Well, <laughs> if it's not science, it's magic. You know, they keep creating money out of thin air, and that's good enough too. Uh, that unlimited financing... 
and tax collection to, to get more folk to work and study the general population to find ways of improving it even better, making it more efficient um, for the future for those who rule. Those who rule only see themselves in the future. Everybody else is kind of incidental. We're all the little people that are meant to be, be around just to serve them. They grow the food and so on. And when you don't need all these people in farming, etc., etc., then you've got to eliminate them. That's how they see it. Quite a simple decision to make for them. And the, the, the key, too, is to create consent. You must train the public to consent to being eliminated. And you do that by training them that there's too many of them and getting them to believe it. You never say there's too many of the elite and wealthy or the academia uh, that are behind it all and pushing it all on you. It's always you lot that, that's the problem. And, and do the right thing, for goodness sake. And, and put your name on a list for, for early retirement, uh, permanent retirement, you know, if you know what I mean. Uh, that, that's what they really mean. And the euthanasia pill is only one part towards that. They don't give a darn if you suffer or not at the bottom. You won't get the treatments they give to themselves near the top for, for chronic pains and chronic arthritis. and things. They don't get these problems at the very top. You might notice that. Uh, but for you, yeah, um, they give you your euthanasia pills. That's the system in which you really live. Power has a lot of bonuses. And as you get up the ladder, you get great bonuses that the general public don't even know exist. Even food that is truly organic and is grown either underground, hydroponically, or is grown in the big massive domes I've mentioned over the years from, again, the, the, the newspapers in different countries where everybody who works inside them to grow the foods wears basically the same outfits they do in, in, in surgery. Uh, bacteria can't get in, bugs can't get in. All the other things, mold can't take hold there. The water supply is from deep, deep, deep wells. They're highly filtered and then refiltered before they're, they're used inside these massive domes. Well, if you can get a ration card to that, a withdrawal card for that, let me know. Because so far, I know they exist since they published them and they even have newspaper articles about them, But uh, and politicians definitely get drawing rights from them. But um, never tell the public how you apply to get drawing rights, you see. That's the world in which we live, isn't it? Uh, this stuff that they eat doesn't even get the spray uh, from all the contaminants from the aerial spraying that goes on. They've thought of everything, haven't they? Hmm. Now, getting back to the weather idea, that was what they hit on at the Club of Rome, which was given the task of finding a good con, a good reason uh, to put it across in the public to depopulate uh, and, and, and to get more control over them, get them, get them to give up more rights. Uh, so they hit upon the idea that humankind, mankind, was causing all the world's problems with, with climate change, global warming, all that kind of stuff. It would cause food scarcity. It would cause all the different terrible things that would happen. The same stuff, of course, all the same list of things that they'd pushed back in the 1920s and 30s when they first came out with the, big, the whole idea, oh, there'd be too many peasants, too, many, too much peasants eventually in the future eating all the resources up and, and using things up that really is rightfully ours. That was what the elite were prattling about then. Now it's the same list, actually, only you're causing the shortages. That's what, they're, that's what they're telling you, that you're going to cause the shortages. Nothing to do with the fact uh, that most of your farming today has been put under, the, you know, kaputs. 
by government legislation over many years, deliberately. Even during World War II, for instance, or even before World War II, if you read the old uh, documentation on it or watch the old uh, documentaries that were done shortly after World War II, Britain had to import almost all the food stuff into the country, even at the beginning of the war. They'd so decimated farming from World War I. They also decimated so many of the youngsters that were going to grow up and go into the farming industry. They went off to fight instead for ridiculous wars. What they did find out is, is that, yeah, they'd have to improve this world empire idea of free trade, ruled by the, the, the global oligarchs. They'd own all the big, massive farming across the world, and then they could then divert food into any area or country that they wanted to in the future. And that's all a big part of the free trade idea. You find in the 1800s, you had the Corn Laws, uh, things like that, where, where Lord Rothschild had them repealed in Britain, so they could dump cheap foreign grain, that was free trade, across the, the British countryside, put the local farmers under, and then they and their families were forced to go into the newly opened up uh, factory cities and towns uh, for the Industrial Revolution. Everything has got a reason behind it, and rich men sit and plot the future out all the time. They really do. To them, it's a natural thing to do, uh, and it's, uh, there's no laws against it. How do you get up there? How do you get power? How do you always eliminate competition and take over? And then once you eliminate competition, uh, you, you make sure that all raw resources for a thing, uh, whatever you're making, uh, you own as well. That's what they call cornering the entire market. You corner, there's no competition. The same thing goes with food, and so you create about five agri-food businesses that really have the same shareholders owning all the shares. So it's really one big corporation. And you, you give it all the special deals across the planet under the guise of free trade. The taxpayer funds them into existence. They fund the, the opening up all through Latin America uh, of big agriculture uh, by these businesses, and then they import the stuff into the country. And when they, what they import can be even more toxic than the stuff they're allowed to use in your own countries by the chemical uh, industries because they have different laws set up. And they make sure these laws are set up differently to allow them to use even more toxic stuff on the food that they're going to import. Nothing happens by chance. People are not stupid and just, oh, we didn't realize this was going to kill so many folk off with cancers, etc. Of course they, they're not stupid. And, of course, it's not just the pure greed factor. There's always a multiple reasons to be, and multiple things to be gained for those who own you and rule over you. The future's planned. What we're living through today, and all of it today, was planned before we were born, that section of it. Many of the big planners wrote books about it, and all belonged to the Trilateral Commission, Council on Foreign Relations, and before that, all the other vague names they would give so the public wouldn't know who they were. The ones who ran the British Empire were the Lord Alfred Milner Group. And that became Royal Institute for International Affairs, and abroad it was called Council on Foreign Relations, and they draft up policies, handed to governments to sign, like, like merging countries together as though they were big corporations, like big businesses. And that's really what they are. The world is very, very different than the way it's portrayed. It's quite interesting to, to look way back to Edward Bernays' day, 
the so-called father, and he wasn't the father of propaganda or, or marketing either, for that matter. He came from a long line of folk who, who dealt with studying human behavior, how to make them do things, how to behave in certain ways, and how to certainly buy products. And uh, he talks about creating consent. Awfully important how to make folk consent to whatever demand that you, you, make, you put upon them. How do you get them to give things up, for instance? Well, fear is a good technique, of course, and external fear is even better, like wars. Oh, if you don't do this, it could be a terrible war, or terrorists could come in and do blah, blah. Then you, that you consent, you're silent, and that which means consent. And so today you have no rights at all. And it's very, very true. If you were to step outside the box and even make some very honest inquiries to certain government committees, you will get, you will definitely get uh, visits. And it might even frighten you by the type of visit you get, though you're some kind of suspect just for asking questions. That's not allowed in this day and age. For all your nonsense about freedoms, it, it simply doesn't exist. When people do stand up and threaten to do awful nasty things in your country, you've got to say, wait a minute, how come they can, they can get away with it? How come, for instance, that the, the Marxists, Trotskyists, communists can push for open revolution at times and even stir it up and get funded by guys like George Soros, who obviously is part of the big, big oligarchs, intelligence agencies, as well as being a, a multi billionaire, trillionaire, whatever he happens to be. The guy that I've mentioned before, now other, other hosts are picking it up and mentioning it too, they've even kind of quietly and tongue-in-cheek named movies after, like Quantum of Solace, the James Bond one, where a philanthropist was taking over the world's water supply and even getting massive donations from rich folk to come in. And, it, and again, too, they would get a kickback on returns, just like any investment, under the guise of helping the poor as it took over the, the water supply of all Latin America and places like that. And by the way, and it's also tongue-in-cheek, but this is how they played the game. It's also Quantum. Quantum is the business group of the, that's owned by Soros. And his helicopters and everything else and his jets are called Quantum. And so you have Quantum of Soros. Quantum of Soros. A big philanthropy, they call it, too. And that's no coincidence. Quantum of solace, quantum of Soros, no coincidence at all. That's how the thing works, you see. But uh, that's also what Weishaupt said too, that they could create parallel governments that would gradually become parallel and then dominate. They'd be the real governments under the guise of philanthropy. Who, who can ban philanthropy, you see? Who's going to ban for, we're just here to help people. It's like setting fire to the Virgin Mary for Catholics, or or, or for or for smashing and, and and dumping at sea Mum's apple pie for Americans. They're philanthropists. They want to help you, and you know darn well when you look at the, all the thousands of non-governmental Marxist Trotskyist organizations they run and think tanks with all the top guys of academia in them. This is the government, and it certainly does have a high inner party, as uh, Carl Quigley talked about, with the Lord Alfred Milner group that became the Royal Institute for International Affairs, 
and it still has. We don't know who they are. But they certainly get access to all the lower party. Jimmy Carter, for instance, was the first president of the U.S. where all his top members all around him in all different departments were all trilateral members and cancer and foreign relations members, all of them. And, and Kissinger, too, was in there with them. And here it's all back again. Uh, now, the last lot, the left wing, have the same amount of folk in them, too, that are members of CFR and trilateral, too. And you don't, remember, these are private organizations I'm talking about. You don't get to vote for them. They run your countries, though. These are the guys who came up with the idea of global government, and they call it governance as well, on the way. And they also uh, basically uh, write up for governments to sign, they draft up all the different amalgamation treaties like the European Union that was supposed to be a free trade thing only. Ends up with a whole parliament running you that's deception, and that's how things really are. Mind you, as I've said so many times, we are the most entertained people in history. We can be diverted, especially with the internet now, too, and the meme. The whole meme business, this big governmental business and think tank business, uh, shoving memes out there to distract whole sections of society away from what's really happening at very critical moments. It's awfully, awfully effective, isn't it? works all the time. Don't look at this, look at that. And it's got to be, memes have got to be fascinating. And they, they, they're awfully good at giving you fascinating memes. But we are incredibly well uh, diverted from so many, many, many things. So that we don't ever take offence even at losing rights and freedoms or even quality of living as your paycheck decreases if you still got one. And, and the value of what you buy per year according to your currency, uh, what you can actually get back per dollar or pound or whatever it happens to be, keeps dropping and dropping. It's planned that way. remember reading an article, and there's a Council on Foreign Relations article from Maggie Thatcher, Margaret Thatcher, the old Prime Minister of Britain, who's, who told a lot of truth as well as a lot of nonsense, but she did say that when she came in to power, her cabinet had a, a lot of obstacles in the way. They had years and years and years of pretty well communist council and foreign relation rule meant on amalgamating the world. It was all arranged during World War II. And the deindustrialization of Britain was all signed into agreements. And the only people who didn't know or agree about it were the general public to deindustrialize the countries. And Britain was taking the lead in that too. Including the massive depression, suicides, and everything else it caused, and alcoholism, and you name it. Uh, it's all kept quiet from the public at the time. But Maggie Thatcher did say that when she came into power, taking over from the Labour Party, years and years of Labour Party, uh, that there was a, a wages and price fix on. Companies couldn't either give an employee more money uh, outside a certain percentage, uh, or, or even uh, want more money for their products. And so it was all uh, managed by government. And that never has, that's never really stopped, if you understand it. You can have it either ordered by government or tongue-in-cheek by big organizations near the top, how to keep the people at a certain standard of living. Of course you can. And they do. They do. Sure they do. And even if they were to double your, your wages, they would just double your taxes, or, uh, or else, or, or and, 
um, they would uh, devalue the currency. And, and so you're still earning, you're still really buying the same amount of things uh, that you're on your new wage as you were 10 years ago on your old wage. Uh, it's the same kind of, everything's worked out so easily. Actually, it's very easy too. It's not a complex thing to do. And that's how we're, we're really managed. Meanwhile, the big corporations and guys who have holding companies across the world and startup companies literally put nothing into it. It's all done by your money, your tax money, and massive grants given to them for research and development to start up the projects and factories built for them and so on. It's interesting, for instance, that that Trump has just put in another foreigner, basically, yeah, Elon, which is really Leon Musk, uh, who's already got money coming in from Canada for these electronic cars. It's all tax money, and uh, pretty well, as far as I know. And um, that's your public-private partnership deals. And now Trump's appointed him into the States as well in some capacity. So you know, this, these things don't just happen on the spur of the moment. These guys know each other. They also have organizations that recommend each other to them. And, and nothing is just taken on spuriously or by chance on spur of the moment decisions. Now, when it comes to politics, though, it's so easy to manipulate the masses. And it's quite easy, too, when you already have people who are hated and touted as the, as, as the future leaders, people who are utterly known to be utterly corrupt and rather nasty, and put out a person uh, in the Bernays fashion uh, that's, uh, he, who understands your pain, like Bill Clinton said, who feels your pain, says the right things, because saying the right things when you're in for elections is, is, is a normal thing. Uh, doing anything once you're in is completely different. It's, there's no law against not doing it. That's what the communists used to say too. You get into politics by joining uh, the, the established parties in the West. They could not do it by revolution, so join the established parties, and then you do it from within. Uh, just get in, get elected. That was the main thing. Then you can do what you want. And even Pierre Trudeau uh, said that for Canada years ago in an interview on television uh, with his pal Benny Levesque. Levesque said the same thing on the same interview. That's how you get in. You gotta tell people what they want to hear and what's new. What is new about that? Tell them what they want to hear and then they go. Every country does it. So in the Trump uh, group, you had him prattling on about, well, I feel the pain because you just go to the policymakers and those who feel the pulse of the public. And they say, well, they don't want to, to pay carbon taxes. Okay, we'll, we'll hit that for, you know, and, and this, that, and the other. We'll hit this and hit that. And we'll hit some, all this push for electronic cars and things like that. And then you, once you get elected, uh, you bring in a cabinet that's all for it. <laughs> all these things. And it's quite amusing, isn't it, really? Isn't it amusing? You got it. But I tell you, the longer you live, the more boring life gets, because it's all repetition. And you can literally jump from one country to the next and see the same nonsense going on in every country. These are standard techniques. There is a global oligarchy. And uh, I think it was one of the Huxleys actually called them a, a dominant minority. Aldous Huxley, a dominant minority. And he could also call them the oligarchy on occasion. But uh, the, the dominant minority at the top basically own everything. They're the real power brokers. And 
they have lots of helpers around about them, which is really today in the scientific era, it's academia who must get on board because they train uh, the, the management level people in society, students go and become management level. They train them uh, how to manage the herd, the great herd, in such a way that the herd will never figure things out and just go along with everything. The herd tend to mumble a lot, and that's, that's awfully good for a domestic population. But for the elite themselves, they've never ever taken their eyes off global agenda. It's n- nothing is going to phase it. And all their big ag- agendas with carbon taxes and electric cars for the, the, the musks of the world and people like that, uh, it's not going to change. And going into the, the, the big cities to get rid of folk in the countryside, that's not going to change either. Nothing ever really does, is it? And... Um, there's one article here, for instance, and it says Trump names Exxon Mobile chief Rex Tillerson Secretary of State. And it goes into the accomplishments of Tillerson and all that. It says he's an embodiment of the American dream, another fiction. Through hard work, dedication, and smart deal making, yeah, that's all it took, Rex rose through the ranks to become CEO of Exxon Mobil, one of the world's largest, most respected companies. And it gives you what they declare that they, they make every year. $350 billion company, how many folk they hire and, and who runs it. It's, anyway, it says he came from the, the nowhere with former governor Mitt Romney. Now, Mitt Romney, I don't know if people know that, Mitt Romney's family were heavily involved with alternate broadcasting and shortwave radio for years, still do, coast to coast ideas, like all the different chains of radio stations. Um, and he also was into neocorn thing too, uh, and involved in, in various forms of government as well. You might say that the family information, remember, is awfully important to those who run the world. So, anyway, Mitt Romney's in, in there. Um, former Ford CEO Alan uh, Mullally, former CIA Director David Petraeus, and the Senate and Foreign Relations Committee Chairman Bob Corker former UN Ambassador John Bolton, and California Congressman Dana Rohrabacher, all ahead of him on Trump's shortlist. In November, the Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice under George Bush visited the Trump Tower and urged the President-elect to consider seriously the ExxonMobil CEO, Robert Gates, former Secretary of Defense under George Bush, seconded Rice's motion, and so on. So, this is Trump's selection surprise, David Mordock, a uh, former director of international economic affairs and president Obama's National Security Council, and Tillerson's uh, nomination ironically continues something that really started in the Clinton State Department economic statecraft. The fact is that the U.S. CEOs have been some of our best diplomats overseas. Tillerson, if confirmed by the Senate, which could be problematic thanks to his close ties to Russia, dating back to the 1990s under Boris Yeltsin, would face a myriad of issues. And then i tell you some of the myriad of issues. Well, the, the Iran nuclear deal. Well, we know that Trump promised uh, one of the big meetings he had, and so did Hillary. Uh, she, they both went to, in front of a group um, to, to what to do with uh, the remaining countries in the Middle East. And... Uh, Trump did promise to take out or finish off Iran, basically. Um, and we've got to remember, too, the neocons couldn't get back in under any other name, as I've said before, because uh, they were so hated by the time they were out, and folk knew what they were all up to, and yada yada. And they knew about their list they published in the 90s, 
under the uh, project for a new American century, with all the countries uh, listed on it, they wanted it taken out by the military. And the public and the American public couldn't figure out why, or the, why what these countries have ever done to you. <laughs> well, it wasn't really you. But that's what happened. We know where all that went and how much it's cost and it's all going on. Well, you just need them back in again uh, with the same agenda to get it finished off. And I remember, too, there's another 20-odd countries altogether across Africa and different places to be taken out, too. Anyway, it says, he goes on the social issues, Tillerson holds position that remain controversial, active in Boy Scouts since he became an Eagle Scout. <laughs> Tillerson serves president of the Boy Scouts of America into a pivotal role in changing the group's stance on homosexuality with the left-wing center for strategic and international studies, where he serves as a trustee. See, it's all these other organizations, the Center for Strategic and International Studies, etc., these other big think tanks and, and policy groups. They don't like them, you remember. Although not a member of the International Council on Foreign Relations, well, you can't, when you get elected, you must always put it to the side and and discount yourself until you go, you're out of politics. So this is a common thing, folks. He expresses support for that group's agenda. Of course he does. Well, how would he know what that group's agenda is unless he's either been one or he is one, or you know, or he's a sleeper. He's been told just to go to sleep for a while when he's in politics and pretend he doesn't know them. He certainly knows their agenda. Do you know their agenda? Do you vote for them? Because you don't vote for them. They're a private group. Speaking at a CFR event in March 2007, so he has to speak at the event, you know. He stated, like the council's leaders, I believe we must choose a course of greater international engagements. And what they really mean by that is total integration of the world, folks. I've gone through the history of it before, from their own articles and books and so on, over many, many years. On the issues of common core, now here's another one too, to standardise the educational system and indoctrinate the children, global warming, climate change, and too many folk on the planet, all that kind of stuff. It's all in there, you know. He's, he's, he's all for that too. In the Wall Street Journal, September 2013, uh, said that he, he, Tillerson mentioned it all, an opportunity to reverse the downward trend in America's public education. It's good for you. Uh, and then it goes on and on and on. And I've got many articles here tonight, and what I'm going to do is put them up for you, because I'm, I ain't going to read them all. It's all boring stuff, and really pad these articles too. Not that they're all very accurate anyway, because we don't really get real accurate news anymore, do we? We never really did for an awful long time. We get basic things, generally when things are passed into law or whatever, and that's about it. Everything else is, is, is like guesswork. Um, and, and a lot of padding involved But we are run by an oligarchy And it's rather evident, isn't it? Come on, come on Most folk don't mind though Most folk really don't mind lot, I said years ago, lots of folk will love socialism Real socialism, not the kind that train the workers to believe in That they're there to help you With unemployment money make sure you get No, no, real socialism is technocracy It's managing your life by the state from birth to death They'll decide what you work at, if you work at all They'll decide if you get born or not That's what it's all about And do they need you at the top, in other words For the system that's coming in Or do they not? That's what's important Anyway I'll put uh, the articles up. And then another one, too, um, uh, says about Trump's policies. His foreign policy seems to have more coherence than many realize. And there's so much padding in these articles. It's almost like soap. It's, it's kind of, you know, mushy with the padding. 
uh, and lots of personal, basically, like, the, or, like the, the, they just pad it with, with their personal observations, which aren't even true, I think, really. Just pad it, that's all that matters. And then they, they go on about Trump's uh, kiss and Kissinger, basically. There's this article here, and how, how they might make a big, big change now to all the things that have been happening and kind of held back and really get things done fast. Now they've got Kissinger back in. Yeah, it's quite something, isn't it? Uh, it's quite something, really. And then this one here. A new era of real politics begins under Trump. And again, they talk about Henry Kissinger and uh, foreign policy. And believe you me, most of it's nonsense right now in padding because he hasn't quite... You might get all the glimpses of what's coming and the smells of it, you call it, but he hasn't actually really started. He isn't in power yet. Once he's in power, then you'll think you'll see things start to move. And uh, you'll find it's the same agenda, maybe getting done a bit faster. And it'll depend if this bunch pad their pockets as fast as, as the Clinton bunch would have passed if they would have padded their pockets and their own private interests or special foundations and things like that. That's how corrupt things really are at the top. But they're allowed to be. They're allowed to be. Their masters are way above them that have that they bring in the, the trillions without working every week. Uh, their masters don't mind them filling their own pockets. And have you ever seen that the money that they leave when they've got when they leave uh, politics? Have you seen the wages of, of, of politicians and so on? But have you seen what they leave with? Now this isn't a standing joke. It's a fact that they publish these things. Uh, and no one question, well, how did they manage to get all that if they're only earning X amount of money every, every week or month? Well, how do you think? Hmm? Anyway, this one, this article here, as it says, is, is really pushing up Kissinger again. A champion of dialogue and accommodation with Russian leader Vladimir Putin. And so, and so on, and so on, and so on, and so on. And they mention other countries too, the Balkans, Cambodia, Mozambique, Central America, were just some of the targets of those post-Cold War nation-building efforts. That's when they had the uh, Kissinger and they had the School of the Americas where they trained guys from Latin America to go all through the different countries and slaughter lots of folk under the guise of communism, you know, eliminating communism. They were torturing nuns and everything. It was just astonishing. Uh, but again, they're, they're back, because the old movie says they're back, and... And it doesn't matter, because their bunch would have to have done it too, and, and they're more of a, a quieter way to do it, maybe, who knows. Uh, because, as I say, they all serve the same oligarchs, who literally get rid of them awfully fast if they don't get things done. And uh, it's rather awful, these articles, as I say. We don't really get such great information at all. Centre for International Governance Innovation at CG, I've mentioned this before. Uh, it's an independent, non-partisan think tank. You know, it's non-partisan. It's just like a hobby group, right? Like the Council on Foreign. Just hobbies. Non-partisan think tank on global governance. You know, don't, don't, don't you have them in your own street, guys? That say, well, let's, let's get a wee think tank going here to pass the time. We could play cards or, or maybe even play chess if you've got the brains for it. Or we could start a little think tank on global governance. Hmm? Just to pass the time. Anyway, CG supports research. Forms networks, there you go again, advocates policy debate and generates ideas for multilateral governance improvements. 
CG's interdisciplinary work includes collaboration with policy, business, and academic communities around the world. You know, just a wee private thing. It's just one of these private things. And now let's look at this little private club. And it says here, so it was formed in 2001 by Jim Balsillie, CEO of Research in Motion, Blackberry. Basilio made an initial donation, you know, for this little club, $20 million, to establish the New Economy Institute, renamed CG in 2002, with Mike Lazardis, his then co-CEO at RIM, RIM, contributing an additional $10 million. See, you start your wee club and the money just rolls in. The combined $30 million in funds was matched by the Canadian government in 2003. What's the point of having governments when you know darn well they're taking orders from these big private so-called think tanks? So it's just part of the old cancer and foreign relations idea, which belongs to the Royal Institute for International Affairs in London. It goes through some of its history, and I'll put this up tonight for anybody who cares. Most folk don't care about anything. In fact, the folk really are so well-trained today, they prefer to have a good laugh in some awful sick comedy which is like gutter humour, which is all we get today. And I think it's all they can make the day because there's no talent anymore. And uh, or a good movie did to divert their attention because we're the most entertained people that's ever existed on the planet. That's why we're so easily managed. <laughs> Isn't that true? Through anything, in fact. Managed through anything. You'll see how these things connect with other think tanks of the same, run by the same big octopus and, and so on. And then... I'll put up one too, to do with indoctrination. It's always the same mantras. It's all your fault. There's too many of you in the world. We've got to manage you, blah, blah. And there's a cinema series they're bringing it called The Age of Consequences by CG, this private group, you know, that gets paid by the government, be your tax money and everyone else to brainwash you. It's a new twist in climate change. There again, investigating the impacts of climate change, resource scarcity, uh, migration, and conflict through the lens of U.S. national security and global stability. The same all crisis things Resource scarcity, migration, conflicts that would happen, you see, long before they hit on the idea with their, with their Club of Rome idea uh, to, to, to use global warming and the likes and use the same things for that. Oh, you have resource scarcity, though you have famines and earthquakes. Oh, it's the same thing, all the same, all the same problems, only that they're, they're using the climate change agenda to basically manage it all. But it's the whole idea, never mind climate change, just throw climate change out the window, you get books from the 20s and before, in fact, where they talked about there'd be too many people, you know, of them in the future and uh, there'd be resource scarcity and they might want to migrate to better countries and cause overpopulation there and, and have conflict for folk who don't have enough resources. That was before they came up with the idea of using the weather as the excuse for it all. But they've just tacked it all onto the weather problem. That's the whole point of the weather nonsense. Through unflinching and eye-opening analysis, distinguished admirals, generals, and Pentagon insiders, you can trust them, take us beyond the headlines of the European refugee crisis, the conflict in Syria, the social unrest of the Arab Spring, the rise of radicalized groups like ISIS, which was funded and created from the U.S. But anyway, they lay, lay bare how climate change interacts with societal tensions, sparking conflict. There will be more conflicts and more tensions when they ban you from heating yourself. Uh, because you're the wrong kind of fuel. You, and that's coming, that's coming very shortly. They're already implementing all here in different parts of Canada. 
So you can legally starve to death if you have no kind of food, something here in Canada. You can legally freeze to death by obeying the law. And just like you do in, in England, with where thousands die in their homes every year now, and it's quite normal, as they train more and more folk to go to say, well, what can we do, you know? All we've got is wood here, or, you know, coal. Can't burn coal now. I guess we just have to freeze to death, Martha. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sad, eh? But that's what's happening, isn't it? And the general population who can afford it at the moment, or they're young enough to have a job or something like that, they're too busy chasing sex, which is all over the place, they're hypersexualized, or they're watching pornography on TV or internet, and uh, they, they don't care what's happening around them at that, at that age, you see. Every, everything's, every age group's catered to so darn well. We're the most studied species on the planet. We truly are. Another article, two global warming theories implode with record high sea ice levels. And uh, scientists have confirmed that sea ice levels across Antarctica have reached a record high since records began, bringing the man-made global warming theory into disrepute. Well, as I say, it's only an excuse to get all the things through that they want through. I've read all the articles before from even members of Parliament in Canada who said that even if all the the so-called scientific studies are all bogus, uh, the carbon taxes and the money they can bring in from it all, well, can be spread across the world. That's what they said, but didn't say that they'd be spreading it to other big corporation boys to set up their cheap factories and to get cheap labour in, in third world countries. And carbon tax revenue should go to the oil industry, says CAP, C-A-P-P. That's Association of Petroleum Producers. And uh, it wants to go to more technology and innovation so they can hand out to other guys like, you know, like like Elon, which is Leon Musk, things like that, and you think you've got democracy, hmm? don't you? Don't you? You do now. Come on, don't kid me. You do. You believe it, don't you? This, this one here says Northwest braces for polar plunge as temperatures expect to fall 35 degrees below average. That's because of global warming. You know that. I mean, for goodness' sake. Yep. It's always the same reason it's happening. The boys at the top tell you it's good enough for Joe Public, isn't it? And also, what's up with that? The world's most viewed site, etc. On global, so-called global warming. And it says, despite denial, the data shows global temperatures are dropping fast. And then uh, another article too from the Climate Depot: Antarctic sea ice has not shrunk in a hundred years. In fact, they say that uh, but land-based ice is expanding, according to NASA studies. But facts don't really matter, and you see when there's big agendas at play. That's when you know, and I really mean this, you'll know when they won't listen to any kind of other evidence or logic and, and, and facts from their own institutions. You tell there's a big, big political agenda through, obviously, isn't there? And it's for con- total control of the whole planet. Population control, big time. And also for monopolies, companies, the ones who are allowed to sell you energy, to heat yourself and all the rest of it, to prosper and eliminate all the competition. There are so many reasons for things. And big reasons on these kind of scales, it's always pushed through politics and governments, are always done for, for scams, for big, wealthy, wealthy people, way above the ones you'll ever see in the newspaper. And you certainly don't vote them in. <laughs> uh, it's quite wonderful, isn't it? 
Remember, too, as I've said before, there are many names, many, many, many names before they had technocracy as well uh, for managing the planet efficiently. Everything had to be done efficiently in the time and motions people were going to factories and run things efficiently. And eventually they even bring them into maternity wards and how they efficiently manage to pump ex- oxytocin in and, and, and plan uh, the, preg- the pregnancies, uh, um, births, the, the births of children. Like a, like a factory timetable. Everything has to be efficient. Efficient. The fact that the talk are really just wonderful in company, as they say, prattle off statistics to you, awfully efficient, but, but they really have no personalities of their own. However, they're only working for the guys who are above them, who own us all and resources of the world, and, and plan an awfully good future for themselves and their own generations for many, many centuries to come. Nothing really changes. But we, we might get some entertainment here and there that's a bit better than normal. I don't know. It's been awfully bad for a long time. And, uh, and Hollywood isn't churning out enough right now, it seems, to keep us all entertained. Mind you, I don't watch TV. I never have for many, many, many years. And uh, so I, I really don't know what, what the babble are giving you there, except I, I, I can tell you right now without even looking at it, most of it is indoctrination through awful fiction, terrible fiction, uh, with embedded little bits they want to have you parrot in your own life and actually copying you into your own life and, and work out into your own behavior. That's all it's really for. But it's true. It is so true. There's never been a time in history where so many people across the planet have been so distracted by awful entertainment Memes are put out there by very good uh, military-type think tanks with with military strategies, in fact, to have the desired effect. And to have so many folk fall for all and and run with it and even fight with each other like crazy. It's quite effective because, as I say, we are the most studied species on the planet. And then we get into the UN, United Nations Internet Summit, run by Beijing, pushes global governance, says here. Now, the United Nations naturally has this Internet Governance Forum, IGF, which went in Mexico last week, and then they ended up with calls for greater international controls and more global governance of the World Wide Web. Another key item in the agenda was exploiting the Internet to promote the United Nations' deeply controversial Agenda 2030. That's like getting rid of all of you. Sustainable Development Goals, SDGs, essentially a United Nations roadmap towards global totalitarianism that Beijing played a crucial role in developing. And it has here, indeed amongst other troubling topics, speaking and speakers and panellists at the United Nations Internet Governance CONFAB explored topics such as dealing with radicalised expression, whatever that is, it's, in other words, anything they want to be radicalised expression, or claim is that's what it is, they'll be labelled as such. Uh, it says, according to an official summary document of the CONFAB, by radicalised expression, the globalists in the UN are referring to conservative, conservative viewpoints, anti-UN sentiment, support for traditional values, uh, nationalist or anti-globalist expression, and more. Another subject discussed at the IGF was the importance of addressing online abuse, an increasingly transparent ploy intending to justify online censorship. 
I think actually most news is abuse because it really, <laughs> it really is abusive to to have the lies put out there by mainstream that, that claims that this is actually news. It's quite something, isn't it? And it has been for an awful long time. Information is always used for controlling people, not to to have informed choices on anything at all. It says, officially the UN summit focused on internet and sustainable development, access and diversity, youth and gender challenges. You know, everything's, well, what can you say? They They change everything off from actual freedoms and income and all the rest of it into you're free if you you, you can choose what you want to do sexually in a whole bunch of different areas. That's the new freedom. Uh, poverty is out the window now Just don't, don't talk about it anymore If you can do all the kind of things with your joystick Then you're obviously uh, free That's, I'm not kidding you This is what think tanks came up with The new causes They're also giving you new causes And the old ones are never mentioned anymore Have you noticed that? Like hunger, starvation, you know, war Translating the UN's misleading uh, terminology, uh, though, reveals a deeply controversial agenda to assault online and offline freedom uh, worldwide. Consider, for example, that by sustainable development, the UN is referring to massive government controls over the economy, reducing the human population, assaulting private property ownership, redistributing wealth from what remains of the Western middle class to third world dictators and more. This has been made clear even by top UN officials, and it really has. And the links are on this too, so you can, you can actually read up what the UN officials have, are, are on about what they're talking about, if you even care. You understand, most folk don't care today. They really, really don't. They're, they're off chasing rainbows, or they're off having wars with other folk on the internet. That, that's also the new pastime. Uh, technically, they're powerless against the world system that's doing anything to them, uh, so they go to war with other folk who don't agree with them across the internet, and, and they tweet and chatter and all the rest of it, and, and get awfully, awfully angry. But really, uh, they can't get together and agree on anything for any length of time to, to do any good at all for themselves or others. Isn't that rather sad? But this is what warfare is all about. This is what warfare does. This is information warfare and propaganda warfares and things like that. This article goes on uh, to list a lot of other complaints about the United Nations, how it criminalizes free speech, destroying different different rights and regulating private schools and so on, and promoting UN dogma as propaganda through schools, etc. It says, but at least at one point, though, the UN used almost honest verbiage by capacity building for internet governance The United Nations means exactly what this sounds like. It means enhancing the ability of governments, dictators, and the array of international outfits they create, such as the UN, to impose rules, regulations, restrictions, censorship, and taxes on the Internet. This has been the direction and the goal for many years now. And I'll put this link up too, so you can have a look at uh, what they mean by all of that. Uh, to show from the horse's mouth that they're actually up to all this kind of stuff. Amongst totalitarian dictatorships that were allowed to organize open forums at the INGF summit were the mass murdering regimes enslaving China and Cuba, both of which operate Orwellian censorship regimes to prevent their victims from accessing information. Other such sessions for governments and the globalist bureaucracies were organized 
by the unelected Technocratic European Union Commission and the African Union. The latter is a dictator-dominated EU-style transnational regime being imposed on Africans with virtual all funding coming from the European Union, the US government and the communist Chinese dictatorship. Various scandal-plagued UN outfits such as UNESCO and WIPO, WIPO, and more also organized events. Now, <laughs> don't forget, and you can see it in lots of documentaries and statements in the United Nations over the years, and mainstream documentaries about the United Nations, how they set up and they look at China as the model state for the world to copy, for population control, one-child policies, things like that. Uh, that there's no real democracy. You vote for politburos and memberships, and that's it. Uh, one big gang at the top, and you simply obey or else. I mean, I, and they mean or else. That's how it is. The Chinese might see that seem see that as very efficient. I know the West sees that as awfully efficient. If only their people were the same. But in the West, you have a history in some countries, especially in the northern countries, of individualism as opposed to collectivism. And there's your dilemma. But they really want to train all societies to be exactly the same way as China. Just accept your birth, accept your status in life, accept, accept, and and work hard, and and never complain. Uh, And you see the amount of billionaires that China's creating amongst the the top elite there. And now their children, too, of course, getting on the act. It's rather sad, isn't it, that the world always seems to churn out exactly what you expected it to churn out, because human nature is not changing. Power, vanity, ego, all of these things can only go the same direction over and over and over again, unfortunately. That's why voting is a waste of time. In a system based on those who either have all the money, create what's called money, decide what money is and what it's worth, and have the right to distribute it, and those who don't, all the people down below. You'll always get those who earn it getting all the accolades, uh, and those below who earn it too and get very little of it uh, as, as, as having no, no worth at all except the fact they can churn out whatever it is they churn out for their masters. Human nature is pretty disgusting, isn't it? Really. It's just too obviously controlled, it's uh, the worst of it's too obviously exploited all the time by those in power. And we're always fooled and conned by their think tanks and those in academia and all the different behaviorists and scientists. They'll work to keep us dumb and pretty stupid, preoccupied and fighting with each other. Well, it's going to hit uh, about 30, below 30 centigrade tonight, minus 22, whatever it is, and um, Fahrenheit at the moment, or it was a little while ago. So it's going to be pretty, pretty chilly tonight here and where I'm in Canada. Because of global warming, you understand. But again, the carbon taxes, money always apparently cures things. And it certainly will cure your ability to heat yourself in the future as they tax it all from you. So you can't use any kind of fuel to heat yourself. It depends to who you are. Eh? I can't see parliament buildings, for instance, um, ever being freezing for their politicians to go into other cafeterias. But the rest of the population must must just uh, put their hands in their pockets, wear more clothes, uh, and keep themselves warm. You know, they they always say they're loving people, the politicians, so the love will keep them warm, I suppose. For the rest of us, I guess, we just have to chitter and um, stand around like penguins, 
and learn to use a little, little energy as you try to heat yourselves with, with uh, shivering, because that's what shivering's for. So from myself, Alan Watt from Ontario, Canada, a very, very cold one, it's good night to me, your God, or your gods go with you. <laughs>